You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the MLB Extras Chicago White Sox podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by White Sox beat reporter Scott Merkin Merck. What's up? Have we uh, have we announced the White Sox signing of Bryce Harper and or Manny Machado yet? Where are we at on that? Well, there's, there's no one signed yet. There was a big uh, uproar last week because someone within the United Center tweeted a uh, picture of a video board that had Har- Bryce Harper 34 with a White Sox logo on it. So that range. Well, what was that all about, Mark? What where did that come well, from? What's going on there? That basically, I think, was a hype video. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the Sox are very good at that. I remember they did one for Torrey Hunter way back when they when they were pursuing him. They did one for Luis Robert, which ended up turning out better than Torrey Hunter did in terms of the pursuit. Mm. Um, you know, but it went as far as the the uh, the move of expectations went as far as to think that there might be a press conference that Friday, that following <laughs> Friday, to announce his signing. And I guess people, you know, I mean, everyone should be optimistic. That's what the off season's about, right? That's what hot stuff's about where you can believe that maybe the Sox will sign both Harper and Machado, or at least one of the two. But yeah, I think we both know the process unless I guess, unless a player goes to his agent in this case, Scott Boris and says, Hey, I want the white Sox. I want the Phillies. Just get it done with that team and let's get a good offer. It, it still doesn't play out for a while. So, you know, I, it, it's a it's a work in progress. With that said, we'll probably be done taping this and they'll announce a press conference for tomorrow to, to announce his signing. But, yeah, I mean, it, it just, you know, the Sox are going over everything in this pursuit and they, they're very good at that sort of kind of, I guess, the hype video type of thing. And that's what it appeared to be on that one. It's amazing in the Twitterverse in which we live uh, how quickly stuff gets out there um, because, yeah, it's it's not new to uh, try to put something together to, to woo a guy, but it is new for that to become uh, public knowledge so quickly. Um, and, yeah, it gets everybody pretty fired up for better or well, worse. I think, I think Sox fans look at the Sox, you know, payroll for the next three years. They look at the two seasons they're coming off of, which, again, were pretty much expected. You know, I'd argue that maybe last season was a, a tick below what they actually thought would happen just because of the injuries, because some of the prospects, you know, maybe not performing as well. Although Rick Hahn has talked many times about, you know, development is not linear. There's a person I know whose Twitter handle is development is not linear as a matter of fact. Um, but, you know, I, I think people are just really excited. They're really excited. for me. And I will say this, I don't know if the Sox are going to get Harper or Machado may end up both going somewhere else. The Sox will be an improved team by the time this offseason's over. And they're going to be a more exciting team to watch just with everything in play going into the 2019 season. Whatever ends up turning out, I'm confident this is not going to be a quieter offseason like the last couple were. So obviously on the south side, a lot of interest in this year's free agent class. But let's talk about next year's free agent class, Merck, because it does include Jose Abreu. And since we last spoke, uh, he won his second Silver Slugger Award at first base in the American League. Um Actually, it was a down year for him, and yet he won the Silver yeah. Slugger. I think that kind of spoke to uh, the position itself uh, in the American League this year. But anyway, as far as Abreu is concerned, his future with the White Sox uh, as he enters his free agent walk here, what are your thoughts there? Well, it's an interesting situation. You know, I mean, he did have a, a numbers-wise a year that wasn't comparable to his, you know, his opening, his first, let's put it this way, his first Silver Slugger. And just overall in his career, but he also had a lot of things going on. You know, he had some physical ailments, kind of strange physical ailments that cost him a good portion of the last month. And even when he did come back, I don't think he was 100% for that. But 
you know, I think he's still on their plans. Now the question is, you know, what do they do in the off season? What do they have plans for next off season? Where is his, you know, where is his, fo- where is their focus with him? Because you, you basically, you know, need to explore trading him if you don't feel like you're going to sign him to a multi-year deal. I, I would think. Now again, he has infinite value, and he, we talked about this in other podcasts, Anthony. That you know, fans get tired of hearing the mentor thing, and. I've even had a couple of people, you know, a, a coach say to me, well, you know, they're mentoring these guys and we're still losing a hundred games, but I don't think it's a direct cause and effect line there. Like, I don't think, you know, Jose Abreu being there for the younger players, being there for Yohan Moncada and Moncada striking out 217 times. I don't think it's a cause and effect. I think this is going to benefit Moncada down the line and it helps having Jose there. Now, again, Jose is a great player. You know, he's a great, he's one of the better middle of the order hitters in all of baseball. I think he's worked hard to improve over at first base. I think ultimately on a championship team or a team they hope that will contend for a championship, he's probably more of a DH part-time first baseman, but they love him in the organization. Remember, uh, this gives you a sign of the respect they had. He hit, I think it was two years ago, he hit for the cycle, and Jerry Reinsdorf, the uh, owner of the White Sox, commissioned a special ring for him. Now, granted, cycles are, you know, I think less frequent than no hitters at this point, but still, that shows you the, the deep respect they have for a guy like Abreu and what he what he brings to the team beyond just, you know, great average, great run pr- producing potential, just a good guy overall. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, Rick Hans pointed out, they don't have to make any kind of rush judgment on that, but they only do have one more year of control, you know, on him. So we'll see what, what happens. In addition to Jose Abreu, Avisael Garcia is a pending free agent Merck and our friend uh, Mark Feinsand of MLB.com. He reported that the White Sox are actively shopping him uh, this winter, and he says they will non-tender him if they're unable to deal him. Now, that doesn't do much for the trade value, of course, <laughs> if, that's, uh, if that's part of discussion. But uh, right, anyway, right. that being said, uh, he, he's entering uh, his free agent year. Uh, obviously, he took another step backward offensively this season after uh, you know a real surge in 2017. What, what do you make of uh, Avi's uh, future with the White Sox? Well, he was another one who had injury problems this year, and he played, basically, he told us from, like, the first weekend with a bad knee. And give the guy credit, you know, he fought through it. He's a hard worker. I think, you know, that there's a lot of potential on him there. But I also think that I, I know fans immediately are going to read this into that, well, they're signing Harper, so they have to get rid of an outfielder, right? But the reality is they have a lot of young outfielders on their way. You know, Eloy Jimenez is going to be up at some point this year. There, there's going to be some moves made. And maybe, you know, maybe it is that they're looking at bigger fish and that's a time to move. But again, it's from what we we're talking about, Jose Abreu, that, you know, they have to decide whether they're going to move him or extend him. And I don't think Avi Garcia is in the same boat as Jose Abreu in terms of the same position as Jose Abreu in terms of the extension process. So it makes sense they would look to, to move him. Although I will say that I did hear, you know, from a couple of years ago, at his peak when he hit 330 and drove in 80 runs, that he was not, there was not a huge trade market for him then. So now it's going to be interesting, although he had his knee cleaned up with the knee problem all year and down numbers, what's the trade market going to be for him now? You know, when, when it wasn't there, people didn't totally believe the great year he had. So what are they going to believe now? And what are the Sox even looking for? Are they just kind of looking to move him at that point, at this point, and that's it? So we'll see how it plays out. As we last spoke, uh, pitching coach Don Cooper had some lofty uh, words about Joe Maurer, who officially announced his retirement with the Twins this past week. Um, you saw quite a bit of Joe Maurer yourself, Merck, uh, obviously covering the AL Central, and what a great career. Uh, what did Don Cooper have to say? Yeah, you know, Don Cooper actually talked about this before 
the official retirement was announced, but it was recent enough where, you know, he is between that last game and the official announcement. But in that last game, you know, you had the feel with the standing ovations. And of course, once Joe Maurer, you know, went out there and caught the, the one pitch from Matt Belisle in the ninth inning, that was probably the end of a illustrious career from Maurer. So Don Cooper made a point of telling first base coach Daryl Boston to send a message to Maurer that, you know, he was the best left-handed hitter that he saw during his time. Now, a lot of fans have hit me back with, what about Tony Gwynn? What about Rod Carew? What about Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., Ichiro? Well, I think, first of all, Don Cooper admitted there's a little bit of, re, you know, uh, frequency bias that he sees Maurer. He saw Maurer 18 times a year, and he was saying during his time. So Rod Carew was before Don Cooper's time as a pitching coach, to give a, an example there. But, you know, he, I think he summed up Joe Maurer very well. Joe Maurer, you know, crushed fastballs. He was just worried about getting hits, driving in runs. You know, I think if he wanted to, he probably could have hit for more power. It's, it's probably another level up, but similar to what they said about Ichiro during his career. And I, I just thought he was a, a constant player. I mean, what do you think, Andy? Do you think this is a guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, a Hall of Famer at all when it comes up? Winning three batting titles as a catcher is pretty darn impressive in my mind. Yeah, you know, he, he ranks very well among all-time catchers uh, by certain metrics. I do wonder, you know, the, the concussion issues that moved him off the position and uh, right. subsequent decline of, of production. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a tough one. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think there's going to be enough debate um I, I kind of lean towards him getting in eventually but i think it's gonna be a close call it's interesting to see like that's when you have a player of that ilk retire you pay the proper respects as they did yesterday and as minnesota has been doing all year but then the next thing becomes is is he a hall of famer that's always the question mm -hmm. you know i mean it i remember paul Kanurko retired you know chicago had the love fest they dedicated a statue to him they retired his number and then people are like yeah is he a hall of famer or not that type of thing so that's what happens when you're at that level but Don Cooper did, you know, flat out say that he thought he was and I, Don Cooper said it was kind of an honor that he saw, you know, his literally his entire career. And he said he hopes to have the same pleasure doing so with up and coming young hitters. And he mentioned Francisco Lindor and Ramirez from the Indians is just it's just two cases, you know, moving forward. One guy who falls in the category of uh, Hall of Very Gooder, uh, that would be Mark Burley, you know, one <laughs> north of 200 games and, and had some truly magic moments there. Uh, with the White Sox, but the White Sox are actually honoring a different element of his perfect game in this uh, upcoming 2019 season. Tell us about it. Yes, you know, Burley's another good case. I mean, Burley had, what, 14 straight years of 200 innings pitched, 30 starts, and double-digit wins. He won four gold gloves. He uh, say, he won a World Series game, or started a World Series game, and then saved the next one in 14 innings. Now, never won a Cy Young. I don't think he was ever really, I think maybe once top five. So, interesting case. But anyways, we, dig we digress back to the question you asked. That's not what you called. Um, Dwayne, Dwayne Wise, home run saving catch is the special bobblehead giveaway this year at Sox Fest, which is the week before Super Bowl, which I've been saying is the week before the Bears play in the Super Bowl <laughs> on Twitter. I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. But, hey, hope springs eternal in Chicago, right? Sure. Um, but, yeah, for people who stay at the hotel package, you get the Dwayne Wise bobblehead of him saving the perfect game in the ninth inning against the Tampa Bay Rays. And let's see if you remember this, Anthony, that he took the home run away from who he is oh, a current boy. manager right now. Oh man. Um, Don Mattingly is not the answer. <laughs> it's gotta be Gabe Kapler. It is Gabe Kapler. Go. Okay. <laughs> I, I've kind of turned the table there. I know you called to talk to me about the questions, but, but yeah, Gabe Kapler hit this blast. Dwayne yeah. Wise, who was a defensive replacement by Ozzie Guillen, in that inning, it was his first play of the inning, ran back. The thing that was amazing is he ran back at full speed. It wasn't like he ran back to the wall 
timed his leaping up there at full speed. He ran back, reached over, caught it, and then for dramatic effect, as he fell, bobbled the ball and still caught it. So it would have been interesting to see what they would have ruled if he would have dropped that ball on the ground. But And then Burley uh, struck out the next guy. I believe it was a catcher named Michelle Hernandez on a 3-2 change, which is really gutsy in a perfect game. And then he got Jason Bartlett to ground out to Ramirez, which was maybe the most famous Hawk Harrelson call of all time, the Alexei yes, as Mark Burley got the perfect game. So, again, weekend hotel package for SoxFest, and you get the Dwayne Wise bobblehead. No word if Dwayne Wise will be there to personally sign these bobbleheads. I hope so. Come on, Dwayne. Come yeah, on out. He should be. I, I agree. He should be. So, uh, FanFest is a big deal, obviously, uh, in the new year. But before that, Merck, uh, this coming week, uh, this week, in fact, uh, White Sox charities have a pretty cool program going on. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things they do, one of the most impressive things they do, along with their volunteer corps, is their amateur city elite program. And uh, every year they have a special, you know, press conference. I don't even want to call it press. I guess the press conference where they, the players who are from the ACE program sign their letter of intent to play baseball at the collegiate level. And, um, you know, this year's um, number of student athletes who, with, with this year's group, it means more than 180 participants since 2007 will go on to higher education. And to go a step further, 24 ACE alumni have been selected in the MLB draft. So uh, it's pretty impressive. You know, a variety of high schools are represented this year from the signing program. Tim Anderson is going to be there too. It's always a good time and it's always impressive to hear the kids. I remember one year I talked to a kid who was from a, a, you know, not, not a great area of Chicago and said, basically he got into ACE to avoid, you know, the inevitable kind of being part of gangs and, you know, ended up getting his working his way towards college because of that. So it, it's, it's a great story. It's a great program. And it's always fun to cover every year to hear, to hear the parents, hear the, hear the people speak and just see the kids pride at getting to the next level of baseball. All right. Good stuff as always from our friend, Scott Merck and Merck. Thanks for doing this. Okay. And thanks. Talk to you next week. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.